Do you like mysteries? Do you like the things that go bump in the night? Do you want to hear about historical figures like Shakespeare, Amelia Eckhart, and maybe Pigman themselves? You need to check out Death by Monsters, a podcast. And you definitely don't want to check what's tapping on your window. to another episode of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for March. <laughs> you know, I know I sound cheery. I mean, normally I would probably be a bit down in the mouth, um, but that depends on who you're speaking to. Sometimes I feel a bit, you know, lucky. Sometimes I feel a bit unlucky. Today I feel not only lucky, I feel a bit lucky-ducky. Um, but that's beside the point because... We're going to have a conversation today, and if you're going to be talking about lucky ducks, you maybe want to speak to somebody who knows everything there is to know about lucky duck games. I want somebody who knows everything from A to Z. So taking that in mind, I have got with me the one and only Az Drummond from Lucky Duck Games. Hello. Hello there. (laughs) It was just as pun rich as I imagined. I'm so happy to be here. I was trying to hold my composure together the whole time. Don't laugh. Don't laugh and ruin the intro. Richard will get mad at you, man. <laughs> it's not. It's fine. I'm not going to get mad because all I'll do is I'll just mute you. Because I've got the power. That's because you have all the power, right? I've I got I the have to power. be very careful that I don't editing. say anything that a simple mute might twist, you know? Or anything, you know, maybe talking about other co- companies that we can maybe bring in kind of later on that have maybe been double side recorded. You never know, you know. You promised Black we weren't recording that bit, all right? <laughs> Blackmail is a dirty word, but it's also very lucrative. So you, <laughs> want, yeah, you, wanted, to, you wanted to get someone on who knew everything about Lucky Duck, so you, you brought the guy on who's been with the company for just two months. So there we go. Not to put me on this spot, but this is going to be fun. All I'm just going to say, all I'm just going to say, is there's no pressure on my side at all. Is that <laughs> you know, there's a lot of pressure on your side. So all I'm saying yeah. as is, you know, you better, you better step up. <laughs> I'm composing myself. I am. Have you have you got the Wikipedia page open? I do, I do indeed, and I've got my card on my desk, which I got for joining the company that says you're ducking awesome, which I got wow. as a congratulations card for getting uh, my my new position. So that's going to carry me through, I think. As long as you don't get one that says "good duck" for your next job, um, <laughs> then <laughs> birds of a feather and all that. You know, don't yeah, let you drive absolutely. you. Not going to drive you quackers just yet. Maybe a l- little bit later. But um, you know, this is not a sponsored podcast, by the way. There's not going to be a bill at the end of it. I just like to say that. Oh, um, a bill at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who, so, who, I listen. I listened to the last time I listened to the podcast. I did it in the yeah. bath, right? And normally baths uh, for me are super relaxing. There are times when I just take a bit of me time to like yeah. maybe even drop a lush bath bomb in there and just really unwind. Wow. And I swear you had you had me giggling so much, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to hold my composure coming on and talking to you this evening. And you know, unlike then, we're not in the same room, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um. So, 
We're, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We have to get, obviously, um, we have to say hello to everybody else out there. The, hello, everybody. The reason that we do this is because um, it's 2020 and let's face it, the world just needs another podcast in this type of climate. Don't cough, don't sneeze, don't say hello to anybody, don't shake hands. I can't hug anymore. There's like a conference coming up. Literally, I was practicing the new handshake before the team left for Gamma in Reno, really? and we were practicing the ankle handshake. Do you know the one where you kind of walk up to someone and you, you tap feet the size of your shoes together? That's the official C-virus uh, handshake. See, what I do is I put my hand forward and then I lift up to my nose and do the kind of thing. And that <laughs> is good fun when you know the person, but it's not that great when you try to secure that business deal. <laughs> It just doesn't work that kind of way. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and the reason that we're doing this is because, as I say, there's not enough podcasts in the world to help everybody um, feel like the world isn't slipping into the 10th level of hell. And the other reason that we do this is because, um, you know, um, disasters can happen at any time. And, you know, the world has got a history of things happening. So if so, you're in a bunker right now and you're warming yourself by the three bar heater <laughs> and just turn it turn it up a little bit, take a sensual moment and just enjoy this time together. Is that what you're saying? Or what I was going to say, if you potentially had a Kickstarter that was based around three moments in time, but you know, obviously, so <laughs> one, of us, one of us read the brief. Um, <laughs> so, but we don't. Okay, I mean, let's get this out of the way because it's the painful bit. Lucky Duck Games, which we, we do like. We do like Good. a lot. You obviously like them more than I do. Um but they've got they've got a Kickstarter just now, the Chronicles of Crime, the Millennium series, which right. try and say that three times fast. Um it's doing very, very well, isn't it? I it's mean, doing not too bad. Yeah. Not doing bad. Half a million dollars. Yeah, it, it's gonna make a few games for sure. Um <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things, right? We're, we're very happy hmm. with it. And um, the first couple of days were really just absolutely incredible. In fact, it was the strongest day one we've had for any campaign. Uh, and this is our 10th Kickstarter campaign. Um, so at the time of recording, we're, we're, I think we're at like just under 7,400 backers. And that's the yeah. interesting number for us, right? Because... Chronicles of Crime is obviously an established brand at this point. You know, people yeah. have had the game in their hands for a couple of years. They're familiar with it and what it's like. So this was us coming back to Kickstarter for the first time saying, hey, hey here's something you know, but here is it with not one twist, but three different twists. And I don't think even we were ready for just how well that was going to resonate. Um, so, you know, raising like nearly $275,000 in day one was like... Wow! Like I mean, I just just like nothing that I personally or, or really anyone at the company was was prepared for. So I, I I genuinely mean this when I say we are ecstatic with how it's going, and we're still oh goodness, we're still we're not finishing until the twenty third of March, so we're still like twenty. Wow! Uh, well, quick math, yeah, we're only a third of the way through the campaign, right? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a um, long way to go, a long way. Yeah, and in Kickstarter years anyway, because I see a lot of campaigns doing like two weeks now. Yeah, it's think, really common. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like we'll have the big rush at the beginning, and then we're going to have the big rush at the end. So we're going to cut out the bit in the middle, and it's like, um, I don't know if that's how it works. 
do you know what because we spoke we spoke about we'll, we'll talk about that and we can have a bit of serious conversation before we like because i love this stuff this is like my bread and butter right yeah, and there's yeah. definitely more campaigns and more stretch goal formats and expansion formats and size and pledge levels and back account and there's loads of things that are supporting the 10-day campaign model which you see quite a bit now which yeah, is that kind yeah. of tuesday tuesday to friday because everyone loves launching on tuesday right that's kind of still the day that everyone goes oh it's hot yeah. hot tuesday yeah, my inbox practically gets flooded with two things. It gets, you know, all these companies have just launched the game and then I get in the myriad of everybody that I follow in Kickstarter kind of go brrr, like backing all the games that have come out and I'm just sitting there going, I don't know which one to pick. I have no idea. But um, yeah, because, yeah, but you see them all and it's like kind of like, it's pretty, um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool how it's almost fell into that. And you can almost see the guys that know kind of what they're doing mm-hmm. and how they're fitting yep. things together and how they're fitting things in, which is which is kind of pretty cool. Um, you've, as we joked wholeheartedly at the beginning, you have not been with the company <laughs> that long. So, mm-hmm. but one of the things I said um, in the green room um, as you were sipping on your cocktail and enjoying a cigar. Man, I, I can't believe you were able to find ricicles for me. I haven't found ricicles in years and that was just like such a treat. And I only let you know that like two days ago that I demanded ricicles and you were like, no problem. And I, I didn't think you'd get it, but you did. A lot of respect for you. I 3D printed every single one from rice starch and a little bit of sugar. I'll just have you know. That's why they stay crunchy for so long. That is why they're staying crunchy for so long, because there's a little yeah. bit of plastic in them as well. <laughs> um, have you always been a marketing-type guy? Has that always been your wheelhouse? Because I know, like, say for me, I was, I am <laughs> kind of a sales-type person. So somebody could say to me, go and sell this, and I'll go and explain features and benefits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. what I'll find is I find that I'm, better sometimes it's i'm pretty good at explaining explaining features and benefits or something so Mm -hmm. then i like explaining features and benefits because then i don't have to get the disappointment of somebody going no i do not want your product so have you always been a marketing type person or did you start off in the have you always been that from day one or did you do a kind of a little bit of combination with the sales and, and marketing side of things that's a, it's a really good question. I mean, just speaking personally, so speaking like about my mm. kind of character, I guess, um, uh, I am like a classic, uh, I guess, maybe uh, a kind of anxi- anxiety-driven introvert. Um, I like, I'm not great in a lot of social situations and I'm not big on, on, on big crowds and these kind of things. Mm. Um, and the one place where I find myself kind of truly comfortable and happy was at conventions, whether it was like demoing games or running and organizing tournaments or being a judge at competitive um, events for the likes of FFG and things like this. And in those environments, yeah. I kind of felt like I was around my own people. And right. I, I, could, I could escape from that kind of like, oh, a lot of pressure and anxiety and kind of nerves and become that kind of, hey, you've got to check out this thing. Look, it's amazing. This is why it's good for you. Let's learn it together. Wasn't that fantastic? Mm. You know? And, and I, I, would, I would say that naturally marketing is a word that I never really attached to myself being a marketer the community and the social aspect of gaming and competitive gaming and organized play and all these kind of things was always what attracted me and it just so happened that i'm very lucky that i'm kind of coming into the industry for sort of three years now at a point where the social aspect is such a key component of not just playing the games but also with kickstarter and with facebook and social media um it's it's 
integral. It's woven in to a lot of the kind of uh, ways we actually buy and purchase and get involved in games. So I, I don't feel like I'm a natural marketer so much as I'm just maybe quite comfortable uh, chatting to people about games and getting them excited. And I, and I truly believe that there's a game for everybody out there. You know, and now there's like 3,000, 4,000 games coming out a year. That's more yeah. true than ever, maybe. But yeah. I've yeah. always believed that. It's just finding the right game for for you. <laughs> When I was speaking to people in a similar situation to yourself, you would say, they would say, well, I'm, I'm kind of introverted and I kind of get a bit of anxiety. And it's like, well, how can you do this? And it's like, well, because there's an aspect of control to it. When I'm mm. demoing when I'm demoing a game, I know that game kind of inside and out. So I'm kind of prepared for the various questions and the various type of scenarios. I'm not all of a sudden going to get left fielded. You know, yeah. if I'm demoing a game or if I'm explaining kind of rules to a tournament or if I'm organizing something, then it's very, very much in my wheelhouse, which is why mm -hmm. I can do it. Which yeah. the same person, if you then said, do you want to go and do some filling, some DMing for half an hour on this campaign? It'd be like, <laughs> no, because, <laughs> because that is a particular type of worm that this duck just doesn't want to handle, basically, <laughs> kind of going forward. Um <clears throat> Did you did you study kind of marketing at uni? Was that your was that your kind of? <laughs> this is the point where I, I it's like ah, this reveals all and how he got a marketing job without any skills in marketing uh, because I my to know this. Uh, yeah, this is good because my degree uh, was in multimedia computing design, which right. at the time so this was so I was eighteen and thirty. What God, what age am I now? I'm 32 now. <laughs> so this is 14 years ago. Um, and uh, multimedia and computing design essentially meant that you did a little bit of everything, but came out with a degree that was useful for very little. So you did <laughs> you did some website design, you did some 3D animation, you did some video editing. Uh, you did a little bit of programming, but not enough to be a programmer. You did a little bit of CAD design, but not enough to be an engineer. You did a little bit of art, but not enough to be a creative designer. So a little bit of everything. And I came out of university and went, ah, can't find a job what will i do i'll go and work for a bank and i proceeded to work for a wow. bank for seven years um, seven years seven years do you know um, the irony is if you've actually robbed a bank you would have been out in five <laughs> uh, yeah i probably would have learned more during the, that time potentially like arts and crafts might have picked up some skills you never know but you know i i i i I look back on that time and, and I, I would be wrong to say I didn't come out you know, with, with skills. Mm. But I think after five years of working at the bank, I sort of said, you know what, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff in my free time. I'm, I'm running events and I'm kind of involved in the online community and I'm running a yeah. little YouTube channel and this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what, I'm, I could do the banking thing for the rest of my life. I can do be a, a data analyst or a tactical response coordinator, which was one of my favorite job titles because it made me sound really like I wow. jumped across a desk with a badge and a gun. You know, tactical response like coordinator. through a window. <laughs> yes, right. it well, the window. What ass? I was actually doing is I was like, you've been one minute over your smoke break. <laughs> it's, it's more like what oh, it was. Get back on the phone. No. That, that's, yeah, I was that person. Uh, <laughs> dialer, dialer manager. Power yeah, dialer manager, that kind of thing. <laughs> wow. um, and I got, to, I got to the point that I was like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life or do I want to make a change? And I went, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to leave a well paid, secure future, big pension, all kind of banking goodness. And I took a minimum wage job working with the amazing company, uh, Beast of War, who are now called On Tabletop. And they gave oh, yeah. me that, yeah, they gave me that first opportunity to, 
let my excitement out in some kind of channeled manner. They were like, hey, you've got all this bundled up energy to tell people how amazing <laughs> games are. Stand in front of this camera and just try and contain yourself. Like, And, and that's not even a joke. Like, the first time I was on camera properly, I struggled to sit down because I previously done a lot of my recording um, personally standing up. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very animated. <laughs> so like, literally, I didn't study marketing. I didn't, uh, you know, really learn it in, in my, my 20s. I got towards my late 20s and went, do you know what? Total career change, total new uh, direction in life. And I've been flying by the seat of my pants ever since. I've been very fortunate to work with very talented people and get to talk about amazing games and just hope that uh, no one realizes, oh man, this guy, <laughs> what's he doing here? <laughs> but do you not think marketing, and I'm not, I'm, I probably am completely disrespecting a whole group of people, but marketing can take a certain type of personality it's kind of sometimes daring to do what some people would go no that's silly but kind of taking that next further some kind of like taking the occasional risk Mm -hmm. to see if something works to see if something gains kind of interaction and kind of a attention as well i think that that's it does take somebody maybe a little bit with a natural kind of flair for being quite happy to be the idiot in the room, if you know what I mean. Not saying mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah. you're the idiot in the room because Sorry, obviously I don't you. know. Yeah. I don't know how many people are in the room with you just now, but um, I'm <laughs> the idiot in this room, and that's fine. But um, <clears throat> I think it does take a certain type of personality. I'm not sure. I know people who have studied marketing, and in terms of tactical stuff and presentation and being able to tell me statistics and the reason people buy and theories and stuff like that, they're absolutely amazing at it. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes it's the guy that is just a little bit off to the left or the girl that's off to the right that's coming out with that zinger of an idea that gets everybody pricking up their ears and taking, taking kind of notice. I think, you know, there's definitely something to be said for having a real solid base in, you know, in marketing grounding, you know, being aware mm-hmm. of what attracts people, being aware of how many impressions of something it takes before someone actually will click on your link, being able to critically assess, you know, the effectiveness of advertising, whether it's, you know, uh, click, clicking or brand building or whether it's podcasts or magazines, whatever it may be. There's mm. certainly um, a level of skill that, that can kind of come from education and, and experience that I've been quite lucky because I've been immersed um, in, in the past sort of three years with people people who have years of industry knowledge and I'll be able to soak that up and they've been able to take I guess my kind of new age wild kind of um, what about this crazy thing and like okay well let's see how we can channel that and make that kind of work so I'm getting a little bit of of the best of both so while I'm maybe doing quite well in what we would call sort of business to customer where I'm focusing Mm. on exciting backers and pushing and generating I'm getting an opportunity to really push new ideas and and learn a lot when it comes to business to business and what works well for distribution what works well for retailers you know because uh, you know retail for the tabletop industry has been around for long enough now that there are certain tropes that you come to expect as a retailer and there's certain yeah. standards that they want from a publisher um, and it's not just about meeting those now for me it's about how can we exceed and excel and how can we still do a launch kit for a game at something that's going to excite the store and bring people in and have them play it but also not break our back you know as, as a publisher because that stuff's obviously a marketing budget and, and, and can be quite draining so yeah i think you're exactly right there's a, there's a mix of base level knowledge which is good but also having that kind of edge and that, that gusto to go out and do something a bit crazy now and again is, mm-hmm. is beneficial mm-hmm. in terms of the, the actual tabletop side of things are you quite involved in the hobby as a GG kind of like are you kind of are you currently because st- we cannot see each other 
because we've had a discussion off the cast about why we shouldn't mm-hmm, see each other mm-hmm. and it was yeah. a good decision to make because um, I'm, I'm, I've got a bit puffy eyes. Um, and you're terribly distracting. I just, you know, I couldn't have talked while looking at you. This <laughs> is the honest truth. You know. I, do Stay like on topic, to, you know? I do like to record topless. Um, anyway, but... <laughs> yes, yes, I broke you. That's a success no, for me. <laughs> no, 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 you haven't. I was kind of, kind of, bring, uh, I was kind of, I was kind of bringing it back in. But are you sitting in front of like a shelf of games? I mean, because this is what I notice is like when you get for, when you get when you get involved into the not, and this is when again I'm going to annoy a lot of people. But when you're starting to get involved in the more corporate side, you know, we've got people who they've been brought into mark to do marketing. Mm-hmm. Because they're very good at it, yeah, and not necessarily. Yeah, they have. They do play the occasional board game, but that's just because it's a hobby. It's not, you know. Are you are you kind of like really involved in it? Is it your passion? Did you kind of walk in and went, "Look, I've played all your games. This is why you should give me a job." Or are you walking in <laughs> saying, "Look, I'm really good at marketing. This is why you should give me a job." Um, I mean, to go back a little further, like I've I've always been a gamer all my mm. life before I even realized kind of, you know, quote unquote, that's what I was sort of thing. Um, you know, from the early days of like Sega Mega Drive and SNES and yeah. chess with a computer. Oh my God, the computer's taking moves. Oh, it's amazing. Like with with one of those uh, like VTech boards where the computer oh, yeah. tells you how to move stuff. Oh, I, yeah. loved, I loved it. And I, I was surrounded by it, and I didn't have any siblings the same age as me, and my mum didn't like playing games with me as a kid because I would win a lot. And not that I'm hyper-competitive, she just didn't really gel with it. Um, so she would buy me all these different kind of board games at the time, that you, like Electronic Battleship, that essentially you can play on your own, which is really sad now saying that out loud, but essentially whatever way I could get my hands on board games and play with people, I did early on. And it died down a little bit during my teens. Computer mm. gaming kind of took over and esports and these kind of LAN events and stuff took over. And then once I came out of university and kind of hit my mid-twenties, I was like, oh man, there's so much stuff out there to play. Um, And I went into RPGing, I went into tabletop gameplay and and board game and going to conventions, and it just ramped up. So for at least, I'd say, eight or nine years now, I've been completely headfirst in love with the hobby in every sense of the imagination. Um, And I'm a total total fanboy and i have no problem like bruno cathala walked by me at can last year and i nearly fell over like i got that kind of like wibbly wobbly leg feeling mm. um and, and that's something that i totally embrace and i, I don't try and shy away from because that's just who i am but i don't think that was part of why i got to work with lucky duck um, i think it was more that um at the time december last year uh, mythic games unfortunately closed their uk office um Oh, just right. an unfortunate thing happened. It's about a third of their staff um, ended up unfortunately being made redundant. And when that happened, I just I just luckily got contacted by Vince, who's the CEO of Lucky Duck, saying like, "Hey, I heard what happened. Look, let's have a, a conversation." And over the course of four hours of calls and chit chat, he's in Poland and and I'm here in the UK. Yeah. Um, we realized actually there's something really good here. And he was like, look, I want to offer you something. And it basically, you know, one of those situations of not what you know, but who you know. Um, And we really gelled and really connected. And I went to Poland and we had a a lovely dinner together and a real chat chat uh, and a real heart to heart. And it just felt super good. And I was like, yeah, this is a thing. Let's make this happen. Was it? So you weren't in the situation where you're like, oh my goodness, I've got to, I've just talked myself into a job and now I've kind of got to kind of deliver here. 
mm-hmm. or were you kind of fairly kind of like, well, I know, no, I'm comfortable, I'm confident, I know what I'm doing, I've already got 15 different ideas on how I can help push the kind of the brand forward. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about what kind of the main goals were, what's coming for the company. And the funny thing was, it was a little mix of both. I came to our second phone call and I said, Vince, before we get into kind of the the chat and and whatsoever, I've got a bunch of questions for you. And he kind of giggled his way through the answers because a bunch of the things I was asking him were things that he was already doing in the background that I wasn't aware of. Like, for example, like a really good one is Lucky Duck Games up until now is sort of three and a half years old. I hope I get that right. Um, And initially, they started as a company that was focusing on digital games being translated into tabletop. So you had Vikings Gone Wild, you had Fruit Ninja, you had Zombie Tsunami, you had the the massive hit that was Kingdom Rush uh, Rift in Time, which was over a million dollars on Kickstarter. These were all digital games that were um, transported and changed to be tabletop by Lucky Duck. But that's not the way it's been of late. You know, obviously they had Chronicles of Crime, they had Paranormal Detectives, and Jetpack Joyride was a digital game. And um, but now we also have Chronicles of Crime, the Millennium series. So I, I said to him, I said, Vince, you know, is this a conscious decision you're making to kind of redirect the company a little bit, try and inject some new creativity, and and just you know, this is where I see the company going. What about you? And he's like, perfect. That's like, he's like what you know what you've just said is literally you know what I was talking to the team about two weeks ago uh, wow. in terms of the future of the company so it was one of these moments of like you know, just I'm where you are you're where I am this is going to work let's go and right place right time <laughs> it's not because people say that but then I'm like yeah 90, 99% because like even doing the show it's like I have just you know, I've emailed somebody out of the blue in the event, do you want to come on the show? And they're like, yeah, we do it next week. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a firm believer. I mean, I know that kind of once you get at a certain position, you've got to deliver. But I also mm-hmm. believe sometimes getting there, it's just like, well, what happened? Well, you know, um, you know, our Gavin, well, he knows, uh, you know, he knows Raj down the road and they've been mates with <laughs> Sunil. And, you know, that he knows Karen who knows Sheena, who knows Tina, who knows Joy. And, you know, that's how, that's how I got the job yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and then you're just like that. Um, I hate you. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of them, because you're talking about the marketing side of things, you're talking mm-hmm. about Kickstarter. Yep. Um, is Kickstarter still like the proverbial nailing jelly to a wall? in terms of the marketing campaign because I I say this a lot and I probably because I'm forgetful but it's very difficult nowadays for me to look at a campaign and say yep that's going to fund or yep. no that's going to scrape by because mm-hmm. um, I think there's the external forcing surrounding a Kickstarter campaign which is the marketing yep. now you, did you see that kind of more and more as as somebody who you know that's your wheelhouse that's the hat that you wear do you look beyond do you ever look do you ever look at other people's campaigns and go well i'm not seeing as big a presence on facebook i'm not seeing a lot of activity on twitter i'm not seeing you do kind of youtube videos or interviews with external people i don't think you're going to do as well as you think you do do you keep an eye on other people to see what trends are there and stuff like that 
100% like I'm never I'm never off Kickstarter I'm I'm in so many Facebook groups and Facebook in the tabletop industry especially is kind of like the LinkedIn of the board game industry world you know <laughs> I do a lot of my business work is done through Facebook much mm-hmm. that, that it, pain, it pains me at times but it's, it's sort of the way it needs to be um and you know whether you, you know, look at influencers or key groups or giveaways or key websites or whether it's uh, video content or simply quote and, and text reviews and pictures mm. and who you give your copies to um there's a lot of of spinning kind of wheels when it comes to this and it's very very hard to to get it right like very 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 difficult and i think it's very very campaign specific you need to think about your audience you know what you're trying to raise what you're trying to sell and um, like at essen last year october last year i usually try and spend quite a bit of time in some of the smaller halls at essen um mm-hmm. visiting and talking with um companies who are looking at kickstarter to maybe bring their first game to life and one of the questions i, I ask them you know i say well, what's you know what are your pledge levels what do you expect your average basket to be? How many backers do you expect? And it's funny how many people just think of, oh, our funding goal is $30,000. I'm like, okay, well, you know your funding goal, but actually how are you getting to your funding goal? Like which one yeah. of your pledge levels is going to be the most popular and how many backers you need to make that happen and where are those backers coming from? And those are the kind of questions that like surprisingly still some smaller Kickstarter companies don't seem to have answers for early. And I think it's very easy to kind of assess initially a little bit of how many backers you expect to get from each uh, source uh-huh. you know whether it's facebook social media whether it's whether it's a certain uh, content creator whether it's your own kind of you know retail or convention demo days and this kind of thing and you just need to be really critical with yourself uh, and ask if it's possible and yeah I, to answer your question i spent a lot of time uh, looking at campaigns and some some feel that i really don't think should um, and some succeed where i just go I don't know how this is happening. I, who's who's backing this? I don't know who's backing this, but it's succeeding, um, and it happens. And it's it's harder than ever. Like it's harder than ever to be a, a new content creator uh, on Kickstarter because big companies have set such high standards um, that can sometimes create kind of false perceptions, you know, um, about what it takes to make a Kickstarter successful. Um, so there is no. I don't think there's any one answer. Yeah, I'm seeing I'm see I'm starting to see um I think a lot of new creators kind of try and sign up with existing Kickstarter companies. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've seen I've seen Alley Cat. I keep mentioning Alley Cat games, that's because they're they're fantastic and lovely, but they do some great games. But the diversity of their catalogue isn't down to um isn't down to the design team because they, they kind of have a design team, but they kind of don't have a design team. They generally sign yep. in a lot of games and then they put them out there. And they've got games like their own brand, like their, you know, Dice Hospital and Chocolate Factory and things like that have done really, really well. Um, but they seem, to, they seem to be signing in more and more <clears throat> kind of designers who, if they went on Kickstarter themselves, because I know we, I know we joked about, you know, the, the, um, the, you know the rising phoenix of fire of tinder blocks and kitten and kitten mm-hmm. was designed um internally by alley cat games and obviously tin, tinder blocks was kind of external um but i'm i'm not convinced as much as tinder blocks it's an amazing idea and it's a f- and all i've seen is people going this is brilliant and it is mm-hmm. i don't know how well it would have done on kickstarter by itself if it was just released as a standalone kind of unit and I think yep. it needed 
Alley Cat Games taking, you know, sending out messages to all the backers of Dice Hospital to Chocolate Factory just to make people aware mm-hmm. that it was there. Um, yep. Is that, do you know, if it, would, would that ever be an approach that Lucky Duck would ever take? That they would maybe open the doors and say, look, we have got an audience here for you if you if we like your game kind of mm-hmm. come in and, and and we would consider having a chat yeah i, I think absolutely i mean there's there's, so there's two points here i want to touch on one thing you said there that i thought was really really relevant which is you know if tinder blocks had been on its own on, on the page and I, i'll bring it back to lucky duck and, and mm. give us give you a real world example we're running the millennium series on kickstarter right now which is in essence three separate games at yes. 30 dollars uh, 30 dollars for each game or it's 79 dollars if, if you pick up all three now if we had done that as just a single kickstarter one at a time maybe sort of four or five months between them so they kind of release with these gaps where you get enough time to play them and engage and get get hungry for the next one we would have been essentially launching 30 dollar kickstarters plus some add-ons meaning mm. that you know what is an average pledge now of about 70 dollars on the campaign would be something more like a 27 dollar 30 dollar average pledge which would drastically reduce obviously our overall funding it might even reduce our overall backers and it might have seemed like a weird prospect to have this kind of small game and i think there are sweet spots that you need to aim for Depending on, of course, what type of game you have, you know, big heavy 4X games versus miniature games versus, you know, light games. And I think Tinderblocks, by going together um, with Alicat, was a great move, like, and, and something that helped make the overall package just sing, helped reach a larger audience. And I think it's something that every company should be looking at and saying, what is the thing that we are offering and does it make sense, you know, to, to, for yes. someone to purchase this? You know, what's the shipping to that person? Is the shipping going to end up be, being two thirds of the price of the actual game? Because in that instance, a lot of people can get turned off. Even if the game's excellent, they can get turned off by that kind of thing. And you have to think about the bundle. For us at Lucky Duck, I think there's definitely potential for us to help support kind of smaller publishers or smaller designers and bring their stuff to Kickstarter. I mean, Jetpack Joyride was a game by a guy that now works with us full-time, Michal, who designed a game mm-hmm. over the course of like a two-day weekend. It was like a, a yeah. competition to basically wow. you know, do, do a, a, oh, the, the phrase, the phrase is escaping me now, where you do a kind of jam, you know, like a game design jam. Yeah, his design was incredible. So we, we picked it up, took it to Kickstarter and, and it went fantastically. Um, and I think that's uh, I, I, I'd give a shout out to Awaken Realms. They did something with um, Flick of Faith as well. It was a game they launched at Essen last year, which came from one of these kind of game jams. And I think there's definitely great rewards to be had for both designers and for publishers looking to smaller companies or smaller, you know, one two people outfits and saying you've got something great here that if it goes out now might fund but might generally go unheard. But we can help you. Let's help it reach a, a large, larger audience and hopefully we both benefit. So yeah, never say never. Do you think? Because um, I saw, I saw like even a year ago, two years ago, there was the 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 plague that beset Kickstarter, and I'll call it a plague because of what it was, which was people setting kind of unrealistic funding goals Yeah. to the point that Kickstarter actually brought in almost like an unwritten rule as part of its new <laughs> conditions to say that you weren't meant to be setting an unrealistic funding goal. And yeah. it kind of, it broke Kickstarter for a while. And I'm aware of games that, that came up and cancelled really quickly, mm-hmm. like... Um, I think Wardens was one of them and I've never seen that appear again and there was a whole host of games that they felt pressurised to kind of to bring that down whereas on the other side we're starting to see 
a bit of a backlash against that where we're starting to see a lot higher kind of goals. And I think kind of um, shipping has kind of come into that, um, the real mm-hmm. price and the real cost of shipping. And we're having to take into consider kind of tariffs and things like that, which, you know, um, and and that's going to have to kind of come back in. Do you, do you have to make sure when you are designing the Kickstarter that you're providing or giving, you know, or, or giving kind of solid reasons as to why you're giving your potential backer kind of um, value for money, that the reason it's worthwhile jumping in at, you know, $80 or $90 is because of the package they're going to be getting is going to be super duper. Is that something you have to take into consideration as well as just a general, we got to make sure we can afford to ship it to people, basically? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, again, so to talk about the, the the funding goal, first of all, I think there's definitely a perception of, you know, if you don't fund within the first day or maybe even the second day at a push, you know, you're going mm-hmm. to struggle. You know, it has this kind of bathtub look if you look at these charts and likes of kick track and backer kit if you're really into your Kickstarter tracking. Ba- uh, sorry, uh, not backer kit, sorry, bigger kick is the one I'm using a lot mm-hmm. recently. I really like it as a site. Um, you see these kind of, you know, day one, day two, and even sometimes day three, these are your main days. And then right at the end of the campaign, mm-hmm. you have your your last 48 hours and and that's kind of it everything else is bubbling in the middle so if you don't fund right there in the first 48 hours there's a lot of pressure for that which led to people setting those false funding goals because they knew that if they didn't fund it it could just go downhill to start and i don't i don't blame people for that i think you know it's it's a decision that you make and you hope that you don't have to cancel a campaign because of it and but it's come you know it's it's, it and i think we everyone has to realize and it's something that i think people glaze over is that the way board games are being presented on kickstarter is not really the ideal situation for the crowdfunding platform as it was initially built you know the stretch goal uh, thing you see so often is, is something that we've kind of injected as a as an industry into you know kickstarter and made such a big thing but people now have these expectations like funding quickly like unlocking a lot of stretch goals like getting real value for money like having way more uh, exclusives or things that they won't be able to get later and having that thing that your friend doesn't have if they buy it at retail and all these expectations if you challenge them for whatever reason whether it's shipping or how quickly you fund or whatever it may be you're going to end up hitting walls that you need to be prepared to overcome. And so you need to work out, am I going to tick these kind of imaginary boxes? Not imaginary, they're really they're real boxes, but they don't physically exist. But these real challenges, how am I going to deal with them with my campaign? I've got, okay, with regards to stretch goals, okay, mm-hmm. um, we're, <laughs> I'm not going to mention my friends in the North. Um, you know, come on, that'd be silly. Um, <laughs> but do you... Do you think that companies have a certain responsibility to make sure that they are setting their overall spend responsibly? Mm-hmm. Because I see I see big whale games. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, <laughs> is that occasionally, and on a regular basis, you will see games where the base game seems to be a reasonable 80, $80, which to me isn't reasonable anymore. But anyway... But then once you total in kind of exclusive stretch goals and Kickstarter exclusives mm-hmm, and Kickstarter mm-hmm. exclusive add-ons that, you know, people are having, people can't walk away, you know, with the ability to get something later unless they're, you know, they're, they're, they're parting with like three or four hundred dollars. 
Do you think there's a responsibility behind the company creating the campaign to actually think about a little bit of fiscal responsibility that mm-hmm. by creating a fear of missing out that they have to be also taken into account maybe are the audience stretching themselves or is it a case to say, well, you're an adult, you're making your own decision? Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, uh, yes, people have to be responsible for what they're spending money on, but we as as a publisher need to be offering something that we deem as fair. And Kickstarter mm-hmm. allows us, you know, so stretch goals, first of all, you know, it, it, realistically, what stretch goals are doing is allowing us to get a certain amount of backers that's allowing us to reduce the cost of printing because we're doing so many thousands of copies of the game so we can squeeze more content in there. Yeah. With Chronicles of Crime, the Millennium series, it's quite interesting. We've, we've added nearly two new scenarios scenarios giving us like 14 scenarios across the three games at, at, at the at the current stage the mm-hmm. kickstarter and that content and component wise is not massive we're talking about something like six kind of character cars a couple of locations an extra nice snazzy wooden meeple and a few other bits and pieces that are going to make it all work together nicely and, and make it feel unique but content wise component wise it's not a component wise specifically it's not a lot content wise and man hour wise however uh, man hour th- that we spend on making a scenario for chronos crime is huge the time yeah. we spend writing putting it into the app play testing it trying all of the different threads and narratives and different ways you can explore it's massive so whenever someone says hey it's twenty thousand dollars to the next stretch goal and it's for a couple of cards we have to say well actually yes you're getting a couple of cards but you're actually yes. also getting so much more in terms of actually richness of gameplay and that's something we have to just be very open and honest about and you know people have to make their own everyone's you know source of value just as you said you know 80 dollars to you might be different than it was a few years ago yeah yeah it's completely subjective so all we can do is communicate really clearly really openly honestly to say look this is this is what you're getting you know if it's right for you great and if not it's coming to retail and you know what even then we've got nothing on the campaign that's kickstarter exclusive we have some stuff that we call lucky duck exclusive which are things that will be basically given to you during the campaign for free but you can still get them later we might have them on our website or at a convention or something like that so you can still get them. That that kind of fear of missing out um, thing is really not something we want to use as a marketing tool and as an incentive. Mm-hmm. We want the value to be there and the gameplay to be there. And if you don't back it in the Kickstarter, you can pick it up later at retail. And if you want to get some of the things that were kind of exclusive, you can get it on our website or at a convention or come and see one of us, you know, and, and we'll get it to you because we don't want people to feel like, oh my God, I must spend beyond my uh, current limit for this month or whatever, because if I miss it, it's then gone and it's also the advantage of running like a 23 day campaign that we can have a little bit more uh wiggle room so you get to kind of like say well let's it allows you to play around a little bit and see because i guess the are the comments must be a source of really important kind of marketing information and you can really test the sway of a of a recent kind of update yeah i'm guessing it allows you to see almost instantly if People are going, yeah, this is brilliant. Or they're going, oh, that was a little bit disappointing. Yeah. I was expecting. Or when are we unlocking this, please? Mm-hmm. So does that, is it, is it, is it almost as important as looking at the kind of like the daily stats to see how many people have visited, how many people have liked the project for kind of like further on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I said this, and this is funny. I said this to Vince before I joined Lucky Duck, and it was an important thing. I said, "Breakfast is the feedback of champions." I was like, "Yeah, feedback is the." <laughs> <laughs> 
got that a bit wrong there. I said feedback is the breakfast of champions because it means so much. I'm right? not Positive editing feedback. that. There's no, you're no not. It has way. to stay There's in. No <laughs> way. I'm editing that. In fact, I can't wait till I get a t-shirt that, is that says the beginning of the clip. <laughs> You're going to get a t-shirt. <laughs> breakfast is the feedback of champions I'm going through a tunnel Richard I don't know what's happening I'm losing you (laughs) (laughs) anyway so yes Kickstarter trying to bring it back trying to compose myself somehow trying really hard trying trying to okay okay Um, yeah so it's important I got it good right okay yeah I'm still not editing this out it's super important right so Kickstarter, no joke, right? Let's be serious for a second, right? right okay. No joke. Serious If face. you think about launching a normal retail product, right? Mm-hmm. You start your marketing to distributors like three months ahead of the time that you're kind of printing it. Yeah. They go out to stores. The stores look at your sales sheet. They decide whether they want to order it. Comes back to distribution. Distribution give it to you. You send it off for print and that's it. Your interaction with your end customer is like next to nothing, right? Maybe you do something on Facebook. Maybe you do something promotion and, and you start even promoting it three months ahead of, of, of the time you're sort of going to get it into stores. Not fantastic. With Kickstarter, it's the polar opposite. You're laying it all bare. Here is everything. See as much as we can show you. And in, in, in our case with the Millennium series, here's you know 10% of what the actual final product is going to be. You know, here's a, here's one uh, scenario which you can kind of watch or hear people talking about, and here's snippets of what we're going to do. But there's actually 13 more scenarios to come. We're laying it all bare in front of you. Tell us what you think. Comment on the updates. Comment on the Kickstarter, and and we'll listen and we'll get involved. It could not be more important and backers will often see things and ask questions that you never even considered because when you've got 7,000 people crowdsourcing and looking at your page, it's like, oh yeah, we've got a lot of eyes that have spotted something that we might not have seen or even if it's just an opportunity, they, they give you ideas. That being said... You always have to stick true to what your company's and your, your game's vision is. If you were to change something over every single comment, you're going to end up going absolutely you know, crazy. You have to say, yes, that bit of feedback was really useful. Or you have to say, this person is saying, hey, I really don't like this thing you've just unlocked. I don't think it has any value to the game. You have to be able to step back and say, okay, they haven't played it. They probably have only just read the page. They've maybe yes. watched a video or two. You have to trust in your own experience to say, actually, I know why this is super useful for the game and why it's going to make your gameplay experience so much better. And just you know, control yourself and be, be true to your vision and then just kind of uh, communicate that to the backers and hope they have faith in you. So yeah, the communication with the backers is big, but you just got to kind of you know taper it a little bit. Um, after I mean after Kickstarter, you know after the after the event, you could say, mm-hmm. um, how easy when is sleep it? comes back into my life again? Yeah, <laughs> after Zed's <laughs> so, basically so true. Yeah, after right. Zed's. Um, there you go. Um, how is it? How important is it to kind of like continually maintain the level of noise for a product? As in, you know, I see... Because right now, there's a buzz. People are talking mm-hmm. about Chronicles of Crime. I mean, I look down I look down the list of, you know, people that have done previews and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. Um, we're not on there, but I'm assuming that was before you were employed. Otherwise, I'm sure we'd have been at the top. 
not bitter about it. I'm just going to get my. Gin. I'm, w- I'm wearing wearing for my hug at aircon, and then we'll make it happen. <laughs> man. You know, I'm a hug. I'm a hugger. That's that's what I need to. That's seal I was going to say. We're going to have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> feed, with your with your breakfast is the feedback of champions. Yeah. <laughs> Don't don't do it. I'm gonna get really sad if I don't get it now. Don't build this up. That is gonna happen. Um <laughs> But maintaining noise, I mean getting noise after the campaign and maintaining it to when it ships, is that something that's equally as important as building it up for the campaign itself? It's it's different, you know. So um the first thing is you have to think about your backers. So you mm-hmm. have to keep them informed. You want to keep them excited. You want to ensure them that their pledge is going towards something that's going to be of value and they're going to enjoy. So you need to keep that communication up and keep them thoroughly enthused for what they're going to get. Um, I don't think it's really realistic that you uh, continually for maybe, say, for example, a year from the Kickstarter till delivery, that you keep you know, a third party who hasn't already backed engaged. However, there are certain opportunities that you can really take advantage of. So for mm. example, your pledge manager opening is obviously a good one because you know you have a couple of weeks after the campaign, you open up your pledge manager and there's an opportunity there for you maybe to have taken some time after the Kickstarter to have maybe brought a new add-on out that was really requested by backers that you didn't have time to do previously. Um, or maybe you've got an opportunity to say, hey, look, the late pledge is here so you can get in You know, if, if you didn't get on the Kickstarter. So maybe it was a new paycheck or something like that and it's another opportunity to kind of say look this is where we finished up so now if you didn't back the kickstarter because there were still stretch goals being unlocked and it was still a a in progress thing now you can come and see the kind of quote-unquote final product and get an idea of what you're going to get for your money so that's a great opportunity similarly you know showing your first um you know production samples or your first full video and um, again this is very project specific there's different approaches to the type of game that you've got but there's there's different stages where you can engage but I don't think everybody should set an expectation that you have to do it I think a great example um, is, is, is Frank West of City of Gamers don't talk who about do, Frank West. What a we guy. We don't what talk a about guy. Frank. We do. What a I guy. I, yeah. I have a soft Frank. spot. <laughs> I think Frank's amazing. I just like, I'm just like that. Go and just make one mistake. Just prove you. Frank's just like I am a hundred people's worth of manpower, but he does a he does a game, you know, one game a year, one game every sort of eighteen months, and he does it he does it to perfection. He was on uh, YouTube there on GTS Distributions um, kind of retailer chat. You can see a video on him on YouTube, and he was basically like, "Hey, here are my games. Here's why they're awesome. Here's all the assets you need to sell them. Here's all the assets you need to promote them. Here's everything you need to buy my game and sell it to your customers and be super happy." And I was like, Frank. I want to buy your game right now. In fact, we did. We licensed it in France. I love cats. We actually licensed it in French. We're doing. We're actually. I just realised that I'm saying that we actually did. Uh, he, yeah, he's a guy that knows his stuff, but he's a Lille guy that doesn't. Per- yeah. <laughs> He doesn't put pressure on himself to, you know, run you know, four projects a year. Francois L'Ouest. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that, actually. Francois yeah. L'Ouest, yeah. Francois L'Ouest in Lille de Chat. <laughs> oh, for the smell of it. <laughs> Could you imagine how bad... Right, okay, realistically talking, right? <clears throat> You've got a boat full of cats oh boy yeah that have just had fish yeah how and bad it's like is that gangs, smell? gangs of how cats how bad right? is that but yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a gangs of cats it's and gangs you've got of those cats big, 
You've got the big massive ones that are the size of like sofas that I can't pronounce the Ossics or whatever you call them. Those yeah. huge cats. It's like they're there's going to be yeah. cat. There's going to be cat farts going on as let's face yeah. it. There's going to be cat that, and they're not going to be good. They're going to be fishy and tangy. I'm surprised anybody's going to be able to see to get off the island because there's going to be like it's an outlying mist. <laughs> As someone that lives in a house with two cats, it's not the farts and it's not the smell or the little trays. It's the, it's five o'clock in the morning and you're now being woken by my breath because my mouth is just all <laughs> round your nose and I'm just breathing in it because that's what I worked out will wake you instantly. Because pawing to the face or pouncing on you or kneading on you, no. that's not going to wake you straight away. I've learned that. So I'm no. just going to breathe right into your nostril and you're going to wake up instantly in panic. Right. So I'm with you on this 100%. Retching. It's retching as well because it goes, meow. And it's like, what? What do you want? You think I've got like, dentist says, oh, you've got, you obviously got a cat. Why? Because it's because <laughs> the acid reflux from you retching so much is dissolving the molars in your back. I don't have a cat, I've got a rabbit. It's better than cats because, no, because if you died, your rabbit wouldn't eat you. If you died and your cat was there, right? They're on you before the flesh is chance to cool. We've had that discussion, like in the house for sure, because we have two cats and, and Maru is kind of lazy and very laid back, but very food driven. Hmm. Whereas Izzy's hyperactive and very, very much like I am in your face, I'm up in your grill, and hmm. you need to pay attention to me. And we've debated to some extent which one would eat us first and it's yeah i think it's a coin flip really but it's gonna happen (laughs) we're in no doubt about that um speaking of cats and treats because we were obviously saying frank west was amazing and frank you are amazing um and that's all there is to say about that but um in terms of one of the other um weapons in your armory is the dreaded sample copies, you know, preview copies, mm-hmm. review copies. Yep. Is it, do you have, because I'm I'm guessing that you'll get the kind of, you know, hello, hello, Al, um, you know, I'm from <laughs> Tragically Bored and we are really like uh, Sparky Duck games. We've played all of them. The crinkle in crimes. That's a good one. <laughs> but because you okay, if I double if we reverse back a bit, right, what you said was you said that um and I quote because I write this all down because you know I get sued a lot. Um <laughs> but you said that one of the things about Facebook was that Facebook was like the LinkedIn for board games. You end up doing a kind of mm-hmm. an awful lot of business. And yep. I've seen, and everybody's gone to the kind of the previewers and reviewers page when some poor boy goes up and goes, I'd like a preview of review of my game, please. And the, the comments are like, hello, we're from, <laughs> you know, do you, do you have to, as a, as somebody who obviously has a marketing budget, because let's face it, these games cost money mm-hmm. to send out yep. and, and shipping and stuff like that. Do you, um, do you have to do research into who is actually getting audience numbers and do you also have to you know also say well that actually that person there i know they're not huge but they certainly seem to be making some good stuff so do you have to kind of again from a value proposition thing you could say well man versus meeple will yeah, have some money and they'll go make a video or you go like mm-hmm. meeple university who 
you know, I'm becoming big fans of. Um, before you play or other people, you know, Luke Hector at the Broken Meeple and stuff like that. Yep, but then you yep. get kind of like new guy stars out. Do you kind of measure, as somebody that does the marketing, do you look at kind of reach and do you look at quality as well? You know, I'll level with you. Yeah. I, I will. I'll be. I'll be very, very honest. And I'm going. This is going to be a long podcast to where we're going. That's here. fine. This is. This is going to go for a while. You're just going to have to have a on. seat. We could stop for I, a pee break. Wait, wait, wait. Everybody, it, stop for a pee break. And we're wait, back in the say, room. Did there you say? Did you say tea break or pee break? Pee break. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go for a tea break though? I'm not. Just no. We're recording. Come on. This is live. Oh, God dang it, man. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So for like the thing is. And this is it's so oh this oh this is such a question that I want to like attack from like seventeen different angles mm-hmm. because I have so many opinions on it. So content creators, first of all, I will never ever in my entire lifetime be able to consume all of the content that is created by a handful of content creators, let alone the dozens upon dozens that exist out there. Mm-hmm. There are so, so many. So I absolutely check out content creators' channels. I look at their, I do look at their view count, but I look at what type of games they're covering. I look at what kind of target audience I think they're hitting. I look at their consistency. I look very closely at whether I think that big 2,000 view video they have was because they have a big audience or was it just because their video got featured on a Kickstarter page and actually, instead of them driving audience to the page, it got driven you know, the other way around yeah, from yeah, the Kickstarter yeah, page yeah. to them. You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I try and weigh, you know, try and gauge where that's coming from. I look at them as people and personal personalities and how they come across on camera i look at their the quality of their video the quality of the audio how much time they put in i look very critically at i gave you a press kit did you read the press kit did you get the details right or did you make up what you wanted to hear and now you've just told you know a few hundred people something that's not true you know and i Mm. look at these things and i I, and it's it's you know i'm now a six kicks campaign or five six a lot of kickstarter campaigns uh, at least um and, and i have a lot of experience with working with different people and i will always give um smaller channels a shot if i can um, and sometimes if it's a miniature driven game you may only have one or maybe two or maybe three prototypes that you actually have early because they're so hard to make because you have to resin yeah, yeah, cast yeah. or 3d print and you take those with you to conventions and maybe you, you hand it over to somebody and they've got three days to do something with it before they then post it somewhere else. And that can be very time consuming. Or I get quite lucky in the case um, of Chronicles of Crime with the Millennium series, we, we created one good scenario on a, on a developer app, essentially. And we were able to print just the assets, just the assets required for that one app and get it out to like 50 content creators. Yeah. And that allowed me to hit, you know, the important ones in my mind that are going to be recognizable. It allowed me to hit the people that are a little bit different and have great personalities. It allowed me to hit the people that were just coming up. And it allowed me to hit the people that maybe um, you haven't even heard of before, but were, you know, someone I'd never spoken to, but I like their stuff. And I look at all of this and sometimes have to make, you know, really quick decisions because it can soak up a lot of time if you're emailing, you know, 50 different people. Um, yeah. And you, you do have to say no in some cases. In some cases, you can say yes, which which is great. In some cases, it can be, you know, I'll get it to you as soon as I can. And, and it kind of sometimes time just, just runs out. But content creators are an integral part of the tabletop community. Whether they're just making something that for their friends, whether they're posting blogs on BGG or they're doing a Facebook page or a podcast, whatever it may be, it's the personal side of our industry that I hope never gets lost. And I think at Lucky Duck, we really, really value that. And 
those relationships that kind of build after you've done two, three, four Kickstarters with someone and then you kind of can support them more, whether it be with promo cards that have their faces on it or you you know give them a year of sponsorship for their show or whatever, that comes through just kind of trying and testing and hoping something wonderful comes out of it. So I can't remember what the original question was. I have so many thoughts it's on fine. it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's about... I think it's about playing to your strengths. I mean, for I mean, we do kind of written previews and I've done videos and I haven't done more videos just because mm-hmm. it's a bit of a time sink. So what I've done is yep. I've started taking all the written content that we've done and I'm actually recording it for the podcast. Yeah. Because I write how I talk. So for me to read off what I've written is very, very easy and it allows me to actually put the accents of where I think <laughs> I was writing it in the first place. And in fact, I've just actually recorded um, the Chronicles, of the original Chronicles of Crime review that I did, mm-hmm. um, which will be going out um, shortly. Um, well, in the next, when, I, when I press live, basically. and uh, But that was because I was aware that the blog wasn't getting, it's getting, it's growing <clears throat> really, really mm-hmm. well, and I'm really pleased with it. But I'm aware that our podcast audience are, always going to probably be head and shoulders above our blog audience. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, and it also gives me an extra spoke in the wheel to say that, yep. okay, yeah, the if we do, if I do the blog, then it'll reach so many people and it relies me to do a lot of work to reach so many people. If I do the podcast as well, then it's reaching X, X extra numbers of people. Yep. And also if I put it on the, because it automatically goes on to YouTube as well, mm-hmm. it's reaching X number of people on top of that. And that gives me a kind of a greater offering if I say to people, well, if you let me look at a game for you or write a critique on a game, um, then, then I can reach X number of people. And I yep. think some people, some people kind of, kind of like that. Um, as a, I mean, well, let me. I want to throw it back to you. I mean, do you, right. how far, far ahead do you look whenever you're thinking about, oh, this is where I'd like to be in six months in terms of numbers, or maybe in the next year, this is the kind of content I would like to be doing. Do you do you plan far out? I um, I think I planned out to see if I enjoy it. Still, great. That's that's a be- fantastic first point because I think that's the main thing. I see um. I see people who have been doing this for a long time, mm-hmm. and I was just having I was having a chat actually the other week about this very very topic about how important are actually numbers, mm-hmm. um, and for some people they're really really important as you say it's a measurement and it's a metric, but um, also it's a case of well does it actually make difference to me as an individual? Yeah, making the content, and yeah. the reason that we're having a conversation just now. And I'm hopefully having you know a fun chat and a good time. Is I generally forget forget about people listening. Yeah. Oh, I gen I, sorry, I don't <laughs> I don't mean to, but I generally I kind of forget on. You know that's why I don't. I try I try not to do show notes. I do show notes, but it's more like this is the mechanics of it, the yeah. actual organic flow of the conversation. I mean, you when you rocked up tonight, you had no idea what we were going to be talking about. You knew that we were going to be mentioning Chronicles of Crime Millennium, and maybe another podcast. You would have talked about gameplay and how you play mm-hmm. it and the yeah. features and benefits and everything like that. But I'm like, well, here's somebody <laughs> who's in the marketing role for 
a tabletop company, a successful top tabletop company, let's ask the questions that I would like if I got a tabletop person involved in marketing mm-hmm. who was heading it up, what kind of questions would I ask, if you know what yep. I mean? So for me, I'll keep on doing this as long as I enjoy it. As soon as I feel Fantastic. it's kind of like I have to step back or I have to, I'm kind of struggling a bit, I'll probably stop and I'll still do stuff. I'll do other content. I'll do videos mm-hmm. or I'll do, you know, sketches or whatever. But, you know, that's the main thing. I, and I love it so much because for all we can talk about funding and backers and marketing and plans, it does. Like if your goal is simply to get your game made, which is what you know Kickstarter really at its heart is, is is produce this thing that would not have been produced without your support. And you know, there's there's a game which I, I like to kind of harken back to a little bit um, called Chai. It's a game by uh, Dan and Connie uh, Kazmaier. I'm going to get that name right, I hope. Um, and it's a little beautiful little game about drinking chai tea that's absolutely extraordinarily gorgeous. And it it raised uh, I know something like a hundred and hundred twenty five thousand something like that dollars on Kickstarter, and it was just a wonderful little thing. And and being involved in their campaign and watching it grow and watching their energy and seeing their enthusiasm and seeing how happy they were to be funded and all the extra things they wanted to add in and all the effort they had put in, it made it just absolutely an incredible experience to be part of that i'll never forget and i kind of i revere that game and that campaign for that very reason so yeah think about what your goal is for your game or for your podcast or your show or your company wherever it may be and and keep that in mind yeah yeah i think chase it if you're chasing i think i'm a hypocrite because i do look at the numbers and like i got really excited the other week well the other week at the end of the week because i was having like one of those fridays but then, for some reason, it made me check where we were in the rankings for mm-hmm. like the Apple Podcast game section, and we'd hit up to number sixteen. Oh wow! I'm <laughs> just like, whoa! But <laughs> and then it's like back again. But then you're just like, oh, that's kind of cool. But also at the same time, it's like, um, I kind of still like it. So yeah, that's, and that's the kind of the. We live in a in a world of numbers, right? The amount of likes you get, the amount of hearts you get, the amount of retweets you get, the amount of backers, whatever it may be. And it's it's very difficult not to measure things on numbers. Like hmm. attend attendance at a convention, you know, and, and is it bigger than last year? Because oh my goodness, if you don't have more people than last year, everything must be going wrong. And that's just not true. <laughs> like, but there's a perception tied to it. And I think um it's very difficult not to uh, just measure yourself by either uh, your previous, you know, p- podcast or your nearest competitor or whatever chart that you might be featuring on, and it's really important to be mindful and just remember if it's making you happy, then you're winning. And like, I'm happy to be talking to you. Who I just like, people may not believe this, and I and I hope it comes across in a good way. But we spoke for barely ten minutes before like having our first ever conversation, which was <laughs> recorded, and and I'm super happy, and I feel like I've met someone who now I hope to like you know engage with much more in the future, and that makes me super happy. Uh, so I have to just remember that and kind of mentally go yes. Success. <laughs> well, you have. There's one challenge left. Oh, oh wait. There's been a. There was a challenge before now. There that I is a, did I go for a tea break? And no, no, no. The there's, a challenge, challenge. there's a challenge. There's a challenge. There's a challenge. Right. We are okay. here, obviously, to talk about Chronicles of Crime. The, oh yeah. Mil, the mil, the millennium. Yeah, I have to yeah. make such a difficult name for your game. Um. Hey, let me back list- up. Now, hold on. I'll tell you what's difficult. Right. There's two ends in the word right. millennium. Uh-huh. 
I must have typed one N in that word 150 times in all the copy and, and reviews and everything. And I must have sent, I don't say about three dozen emails saying, please, 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 please change the name of your article or your video or your podcast so wow. it has two N's in it. Not that anyone would notice, but I'm OCD about consistency. Um, wow. So yeah, <laughs> like I wish we just called it the uh, Chronicles of Crime, the series. That would have been way easier. The Falcon series. Oh. <laughs> And then, oh, go. I don't know. I don't know. Right, you're a marketeer. Uh, yeah. No, you're a marketeer. You're a marketeer. 27 seconds. Tell us why we should look at the Chronicles of Climb the Millennium <laughs> series. Solve crimes, have a blaster on your table with, with your friends, engage in something that's really story-driven, and do it in 1400, and do it in 1900, and do it in 2400, and just immerse yourself in a true experience. If you're into story, if you're into narrative, if you're into puzzles or escape rooms, it's the best tabletop experience you can have. With like with one to four players, it's just an absolute blast. You just it, it's everything, and I, I'm delighted to talk about it because it makes me super excited. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all you're getting. That's all, just just back it if you like it, man. And if you don't back like it. it, it's cool. Hey, I tell you what, the people that are like, oh my God, it's got an app. I'm not even going to look at it. Or it's got an app hard no from me. It's like, okay. I mean, that's it's not for you. But you know what? You should give it a try because it's generally... Chronos of Crime offers an experience unlike anything else you can play on the tabletop. And that's enough justification to just try it once and see what <laughs> you think of it. People that just say, oh, it's got this. No, it's a hard no from me. This is like... Try just taste it, try it, nibble it, just you know, give, it, give, it a, says, give it a lick, you know, just see. Says at the bottom, sent from Kickstarter app. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, it's yeah, it's good. It's, it's such an exciting because I I loved Chronicles of Crime before I joined Lucky Duck. Um, my partner and I played through I think like five of the the, the scenarios in the base game and absolutely adored it. And I love nothing more. There's nothing better than that Midsummer Murders moment of like, okay, we're at the end of the case. We've gathered all the evidence and we we know who did it and we know why they did it. And then it says, and who did who gave the murderer the information? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't. <laughs> know that it's like it was the secretary's daughter's dog and you're like ah that's so obvious now you said it like i should have known like and it's just i I love like there's nothing better than just being like how did i miss that key bit of information and then going back and going oh it was right in front of my face the whole time i love that like genuinely it tickles me in a way that's just extraordinary and that's what chronicles of crime offers it's that kind of oh it's real stories written by real authors it's not just a oh turn to page 24 oh you threw your axe and it missed it's it's actually really like i'm talking to this person and i'm engaging in a conversation with them and i've got the knife and i throw the knife in front of the face and they say i've never seen that before and you go what <laughs> what about you, you your fingerprints are all over this it's like yeah i've never seen it before what are you going to do about it it's like god i need to do something to break this person and yeah oh uh, yeah sorry that was more than 27 seconds but that was yeah i mean <laughs> as, you know that was a fail big f minus i'll take i'll, I'll take it that's all right it's fine uh, it's good i'm glad you're taking that feedback because as you remember breakfast <laughs> it is the breakfast <laughs> yeah <laughs> Breakfast, Breakfast is, is the, the feedback, feedback of champions. That's it. Remember, yeah. yep. you're never going to forget that. <laughs> that was you're you never... writing it down, was it? I could, I could That's the title. Write. That's the title of the show. <laughs>
That is the title of the show. But even before oh. the Chronicles of Crime, I'm going to put the Chronicles of Crime bit in small print. Um, I was really looking forward to going to Aircon this weekend, but I think I'm uh, <coughs> I'm getting a bit ill. I don't know if I'm going to be able to attend. <laughs> um, if people want to find out where you exist on the internet webs, where do you exist on the internet webs? Where can we find yourselves and yourself on the internet I mean, webs? Let's not lie, Board Game Geek uh, and Facebook, you know, the, the main two places. We have the luckyduckgames.com uh, website, which mm-hmm. is currently being renovated. We're, we're hoping and putting, we're putting a lot of work in actually to making that a much nicer place to, to navigate and get involved with. But um, you can get us on Twitter and on Instagram, of course. And yes, anyone is more than welcome to, to message me uh, as Drummond on, on Facebook is, is a great place because I love, I love engaging and chatting to people and, and being part of their creative processes. So if I can ever help, I'm always, always glad to do so when I can make time. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, can I, before we finish, because I can feel us wrapping up, I want to share something with you. Okay. I found out today. Yes. And I'm really like, do you ever, you know, when you hold something really dear to your heart and then someone just shatters it to your very core? Yes. You know, you know, Jaffa cakes. Yes. Are called Jaffa because they're made, they're named after the orange, the Jaffa oranges. Yeah. You might not have known that, but that's why. But anyway, and there's, there's sometimes different limited edition Jaffa cakes, and there's, there's different things that come out. I found out today that there are a certain type of limited edition Jaffa cake that just makes me really sad inside, and that's the pineapple Jaffa cake. <laughs> Who in the right mind of marketing or taste buds thought that a pineapple Jaffa cake was something that was A, good, and B, allowed in the world? Um, you forgot C, that it's the best version of a Jaffa cake. I can't oh, I, did. I thought we were gonna better. I thought we were gonna make it through this podcast without falling out. Could you imagine after that bath you could imagine even better than that that what you could do is you could take your pineapple Jaffa cakes. Don't don't you say you it. Could, don't, you could don't, you could turn them upside don't, down. Don't, don't, don't you could put them on a pizza. <laughs> okay, that wasn't what I thought you were gonna say. I thought, oh, I thought fact, you were going to take an orange Jaffa cake and a pineapple Jaffa cake and wow, put them together and make some that? kind of weird... It'd be like Kiora of old. Orange <laughs> and pineapple Kiora. Oh. oh, you're showing your years there, Richard. That's uh... that's just, well, you know, just imagine the taste. It'd be fantastic. No, no thanks. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> we might have to do a video on that. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, just go to the internet webs and search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different worn out places, faces and, um, I don't know, boat races, whatever. Um, if you like what you've listened to, then tell somebody else because <clears throat> we spread. Not through touch, though. And uh, if you like us even more, then uh, consider going to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a rating or a review. Um, back by popular demand. <clears throat> it's the same rubbish joke because apparently the new joke wasn't as good as the old joke. So if you are going to go to Apple Podcasts and consider giving us a rating or review. But as always, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five. Because it's average. And we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not being average is rather wonderful, rather fantastic, as Drummond. Thank you very, very much for coming on, sir. Thank you so much. Um, There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, as? No, we're not. And the second thing... (laughs) (laughs) And the second thing... (laughs) 
<laughs> say good night. So say goodbye. So this is goodbye from Az. Say goodbye, Az. Goodbye, Az. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful. And if you can't do the time, don't do the crime, unless you're playing Chronicles of Crime, because you then can do the time, because you've got three different times where you can do the time. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs> is never linked. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to.